Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, cats and dogs, and chickens everywhere with nightmares of deep fryers. Live from the second floor of Wells Hall on the Michigan State University campus in East Lansing, Michigan. It's Thursday at 3 o'clock, and you know what time it is, right, Walter? It's time for Tea with BVP! All right, yay! Hello, everyone. I'm your host, BVP, a.k.a. Bill Van Patten, international superstar, yay, and diva of SLA. <laughs> Back in the studio, I'm so excited, I'm going to just say it now, yay! Back in the studio is Angelica Kramer. Angelica, say hi. Herzlich willkommen. Ich bin froh, wieder hier zu sein. Yeah, so where were you last week? I was in New Orleans for a conference. Ooh, no, see, she said New Orleans. See, not, you said New Orleans last week or something, Walter. And of course, the charming, <laughs> the charming shaking. Walter Hopkins is here. Walter, say hi to everybody. Hello, everybody. I just got it. I'm so glad we're all back together, so let's sing it's it. It's so good to be back let's together. Let's just sing it. Reunited and it feels so good. Remember that song? Reunited. Okay, never mind. I love that song. I feel reunited with you guys. But I have to tell you, it's, it's actually a sad day today for me. Why? Today was the last, my last class day of the semester with my students. Aww. I know. I love them. They were so sweet this semester. The best students. There were all, there's not a single student in my class I did not honestly like as a person. And I did not honestly like as a student. They're all great. Awesome. Just all of them. Great. So I hope to, I gave them all, I reminded them all where my office was. I said, you come by and see me. So hopefully they will. Were there lots of tears? Just me. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I'm not going to see you anymore. They thought I was crazy, but anyway. <laughs> I probably need to get my mood. Right. I need oh, to yeah. get my mood elevators checked again, I think, you know. I don't think they're working anymore. Of course, my mood elevators are <laughs> martinis these days, so maybe <laughs> I just need to drink more martinis. I don't know. Oh, gosh. I don't know what to talk about today. Oh, my gosh. We got so many things to do today. We got a great topic today. Um, but before we talk about all that kind of stuff, I need to remind people that we have a meme contest underway. I don't think there's much reminding that needs yeah, to happen because people so have too. been doing well. There was a some great people, job. you know, but there might we have might have one or two new listeners, yeah, that's who can true. get in there and get those memes in. So we have a meme co meme contest going on. Those of you who don't know, you can go to twithbbb.com and look at the contest. You do not want to miss out on this. What you do is you just grab a photo of me and add your caption. You meme it. And you are on your way to what? A prize. We have some great Tea with BVP swag that we're giving out. And please make sure when you do this, you pick a photo of me where I'm looking my absolute best. <laughs> I've seen a few of these memes coming in, people. <laughs> I've seen a few of these memes coming in. There's some photos where I look like Charlize Theron at the end of Mad Max Fury Road. They are just not flattering photos, people. So be careful. If <laughs> you want to win, those. if you want to win, you better pick <laughs> some good photos. Okay. So anyway, so uh, that contest ends on Saturday, April 30th. So make sure you do that. Again, go to teawithbvp.com and you get all the information there. Luca posts that stuff um, and he likes for everybody to read it. But don't worry if you pick a bad picture of BVP because Angelica and I will be the only two people who vote on the winners. BVP has no say in who wins this contest. So uh, <laughs> Since when? Because they're all now. about you. Yeah. Come so, on now. You can't pick. So, <laughs> of course I can pick. We outvote we you. Vote. We put, uh, we put mm. votes in a hat and then we see what happens. <laughs> God, I feel like Donald Trump and you're trying to steal the election away from me or something. It's like <laughs> you're taking my votes away. <laughs> Oh, uh, okay. Well, this week we have a new topic. Should I introduce the topic already? Yes. I have more banter. I was going to tell you guys about this episode on the airplane, but Luca and Daniel will not let me talk about it. 
Well, then let's let's not. What's the topic? <laughs> I had I had an episode with my earphones on the airplane last week. So did I. You did really? Yeah. Not the same one I had though. No, probably not. Yeah, I was I was listening to my iPod and I had the the I didn't have my what do you call it my um, cordless earphones my Bluetooth earphones with me. So I was decided to use the ones that I carry in my bag of spares. They had this big long dangly cord and the cord I just got all wrapped up in the cord. I won't give you any details, but it was terribly embarrassing when I got up to go to the bathroom. Um, <laughs> it was. Just <laughs> the cord was everywhere because <laughs> it was like this like they put these like five feet cords mm-hmm. on these earphones and I don't know why they do that who needs five feet of cord on an earphone for your iPod I don't know I, don't know. I mean like you know when you run I don't know I mean depending on your iPod's right here it's not even two two feet well, away from no, your, your, not, your I don't know I keep it anyway. in my pocket I mean that's so <laughs> well, anyway, let's get to that. Let's tell everybody, remind everybody what our topic of the day is. It, we are on principle six. Can you believe this? We're on principle six of contemporary language teaching, and that principle is the following. Any focus on form, which we will define later for people and talk about, any focus on form should be meaning-based and input-oriented. Um, the number to reach us at, if you want to talk about this or anything else for that matter, is 517-884-4321. Again, that's 517 517- 884-4321. Dustin is on the phone lines waiting for your call. Hey, Dustin, I can see you through the booth there. You can tweet us if you want, or you can send something on Mixler. Angelica is uh, handling Mixler today. I think Walter is too. Um, but remember, this is a call-in show. If you don't call in, I got to talk to Angelica and Walter. You know, they, They're already voting me off the island. They won't let me vote on the memes. <laughs> so I don't know how that's going to go. So don't be shy. Pick up the phone and call us at 517 884 Four, three, two, one. And again, if you want to go a bit off topic, that's fine. You don't have to talk about focus on form if you have another question. But you know me. I'll always bring it back around if I can. So don't worry about that. And don't forget our quizzes. Uh, we have our SLA challenge quiz. Let Dustin know that you want to take that quiz when you call in. Or you can opt for the Diva challenge quiz. I still have that same Barbara Streisand quiz hanging around for the last four weeks. There's got to be some Barbara Streisand <laughs> fan out there. Somebody out there has got to be like, who's that woman on the SNL skit? What was her name? Linda what? But they used to talk about Barbara. Like, she's got nails like butter. Who was that skit? Is that I have no idea. You should not ask us questions. The, Mike like Myers this. played her. <laughs> Mike Myers played the character. Oh. <laughs> Linda something or other. It was co- coffee talk. Coffee talk with, I don't know what. Oh, my gosh. And they always, always used to talk about Barbara Streisand having nails like butter. Linda Richmond. Linda Richmond. Thank you, Mixler. Thank you, Mixler. There you go. So somebody out there has got to be a Linda Richmond fan and be able to take the Barbara Streisand DB quiz if you don't want to take the SLA Challenge quiz. And the SLA Challenge quiz is on topic this week. It's easy. I guarantee you. You'll win your swag if you call in. Um, So call in and let Dustin know you want to take one of the two challenge quizzes. I did talk to Lance, Hmm. one of our big fans out there, and a great guy, Lance. We talked on the phone the other day about some issues uh, related to SLA you want to talk about. And no, I know everybody's going to call me now and say, you talk to Lance, why don't you talk to me? Um, But uh, uh, he said that that people are afraid to call on the SLA challenge because they, they don't want to make fools of themselves in the air. I go, who's, who's made a fool of himself or herself yeah, on the no air? One. Everybody wins a prize. Yeah. We're well, it's good. because you always say it's so easy, and then if they get them wrong, they feel like they're stupid. But so they're don't not. call them easy. But they are easy because you got Mixler. They're, everybody's <laughs> tweeting and, and Mixlerizing the responses. It's like you have your lifeline right there. Everybody. When was the last time somebody didn't win something, Walter? I don't think that has ever happened, actually. I don't think it's ever happened, either. All right. Okay. Well, all right then. So Lance says, Lance says people are afraid. Lance, okay. Walter agrees with you, Lance. I don't. 
<laughs> okay, so here we go. Let's talk a little bit about focus on form. The, um, the topic today, the, the, the principle reads like this, and this is going to be in my book. Any focus on form should be meaning-based and input-oriented. Um, so let's start by saying explicit teaching and practice of grammar, or grammar grammatical items, is dead. Okay? Dun, dun, dun. Well, n- not dead, but maybe they should be dead, right? So the question is, what is focus on form? First of all, focus on form is not grammar teaching. Okay, let's make that clear. Focus on form is not grammar teaching. But focus on form is any external force, external to the learner, that tries to bring that learner's attention to formal properties of language during meaning-based and communicative events or activities. Uh, Or focus on form can mean that input is manipulated in particular ways to push the processing that input along or to saturate the input such that particular formal features like past tense or something become more frequent in the input. So what are some examples? Text enhancement is one example. Text enhancement is when learners read a short text in which, say, something like the passive uh, is embedded throughout and the passive is highlighted. It's bolded or it's capitalized or something, so it stands out in some way in the text. The idea is that learners will try to attach meaning to that highlighted thing because it is standing out to them. And, and if they do that, uh, they will process it as opposed to skipping, it, skipping over it or just ignoring it, right? So in short, the idea behind text, behind text enhancement is a highlighting draws a learner's attention to something that they would normally um, pass over or skip. Now another example, we've talked about this in the past, but another example are recasts. And recasts are simple reformulations of what learners say during a communicative or meaning-based event. Um, and these recasts do not interrupt the flow of the conversation. They're just part of the normal interaction. Walter says something or Angelica says something. I go, oh, you mean this, blah, blah, blah. And we keep going. So what does the research say about focus on form as opposed to grammar teaching? Uh, is focus on form necessary? Is it useful as opposed to necessary? Well, that depends on who you talk to. And also it depends on how you measure learning or acquisition. So we'll get in some of those things um, here in a little while. So um, I won't tell you exactly what the research says. I'll let you ask me questions about that as you call in. Uh, I have my take on that, as you can probably guess. And as the graduate students around here in the doctoral program like to say, you're awfully opinionated, Bill. (laughs) No, I'm not opinionated. I just have well-informed conclusions. All right. I think we have a caller on the phone already. We have uh, Elizabeth. Is there an Elizabeth? Sarah. Sarah. Oh, Sarah Elizabeth. Is there a Sarah Elizabeth on the phone? Yes. Hi. Hey, hey, Sarah Elizabeth. Where are you calling from? Louisville, Kentucky. Louisville, Kentucky. See, Walter, take note of how she said that. Yes, Bill. Sarah Elizabeth, can, yeah. Sarah Elizabeth, can you say that again for Walter, please? It's Louisville. Okay, not Louisville, right? I, I wouldn't say Louisville. Well, you say New Orleans. That's so. not what I said all right. at all, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, welcome. To, Sarah Elizabeth, welcome to Tea with BVP. How you doing? Thank you. I'm doing well. What, um, you, what you calling about? What's up? Uh, I, have, I had an interesting experience this week on a texting with some teachers, a teacher friend of mine texted me and a couple other friends, teacher friends of mine, um, and she had given a an exam. I think it, she had given it or someone else in her school had given it, and it was required. And the exercise on the exam was one of those, like, drop the verb, and you were supposed to fill in whether it was preterite or imperfect. Okay, yep. And you write these isolated sentences, and so she was... Um, the sentence was, I felt sick on the airplane. I felt and sick on the airplane? Okay. 
yeah. And so the question, the which was like me last week with that cord wrapped around me, I was pretty sick about that walking down the <laughs> right. <highway>. Yeah. <laughs> so the the student was supposed to fill in whether or not it was a preterite or imperfect on the word felt, and this teacher who has been teaching Spanish for several years and um, is a Spanish speaker is married to a Spanish speaker, talking to three of us Spanish speaking experienced teachers as well, she was asking us, which one did we think would go in the blank? Would it be perfect or perfect? And which automatically like sets off warning bells in my mind about the whole value of the exercise. But I'm, I'm calling to get your take on that. But we were saying, well, you know, it, it just depends kind of what's in your head. Like, were you sick the whole flight? Were you, you know, was there sudden turbulence and all of a sudden you got sick? Like, what's the context around it? And so I wanted to just kind of hear you sound off on well, number one, what's the value, or is there any value in those kinds of tests? And if you agree with me that there isn't because they don't give you any context and it's not really feasible to expect the learner to make that judgment with no context, then um, why do you think schools are still requiring these exams over and over and over? Okay, Sarah Elizabeth, you asked a really good and a hot Thorny question, let me tell you. Hot topic, thorny question. Hot topic. Hot topics. Um, <clears throat> first of all, I do agree with you, but I think let's clarify why I agree with you. Because let's play the devil's advocate and say that if your goal is to know about language, if your goal is to be able to pass a test about language, um, like let's say your language is a mini linguistics class, so I want to know, I want to I want to teach Angelica everything there is about Spanish so she can take a test, then these things are valid because all we care about is what you know about language. But if we're interested okay. in acquisition and how mental representation is constructed in the, in the mind, mind-brain and how that happens over time, then these tests aren't valid. Um, at least so this not, is a high school level three. Right, and they're not valid developmentally either in that sense. Um, so, so this is a test of knowledge, and it's not a test of ability, or it's not, it's not even a test of representation necessarily. Um, and just to that particular example, you're absolutely right. I mean, the minute you, I'm, you know, I was raised with Spanish, the minute you said that sentence, I thought the, the first thing in my head was it could be either way. It could be predator or imperfect because it depends right. two different things without context. And so, um, so, so that particular item and test like that can often be invalid because there's no right or wrong answer if you're trying to make people do a right or wrong answer. So anyway, but again, if you're, try, if you're trying to test um, uh, what people actually know about language in terms of implicitly or what they can do with language, these kinds of tests just aren't the way to go. That's not the way to go. So... I agree with you. So why do you think that, that high schools are still requiring this stuff? Because she would, she would prefer not to give this, but it's required in her department. Well, because at the end, you've got to give a student an A, an A minus, a B, a B plus, a C minus, fail them or whatever. And how do you do that? You treat a language like any other subject matter, and you turn it into something that you can quantify and qualify. You slap a grade on it, and voila. And the best and easiest way to do that is to give tests like this. And, um, and unfortunately, that's, that's what institutionalized education has done to language. Um, so, so what would you do in that situation? Would you, would you fight back? Would you make your class about acquisition and then just kind of um, acknowledge the fact that you were going to have to give these tests and the majority of your kids wouldn't do well on them? Or No, no. I what I would do is do something different in the sense of there are other ways to, there are other ways to set up your grading mechanisms and your way to assess people. Um, and you can also start with the premise that there's no reason that anybody in this class can't get an A. 
and here and why here's the objectives and here's how we're going to get you there and some people might fall a little short of that because they just don't do things they don't show up i'm thinking about the the university level but high school you know there's other reasons why they might not but there's no reason why people can't get a b or better in any language course if you're if you're following principles of acquisition and and being true to the students in terms of what it is you expect out of them right so um so, but the but the problem is again that people have to understand that language is not subject matter like other things. And that's the first thing we got to work on um, to, to change teachers' minds, parents' minds, and particularly principals' minds. Actually, we're gonna, I'm going to be talking about this in Atlanta um, in June. Um, I think I've told people this before that I'm on that grant with Pete Swanson, the president of Actville, and a great group of people on this grant. Mm -hmm. um, and so we're doing a big workshop for teachers in the Atlanta area in June. And one of the days we're going to have a four or five hours carved out to bring the principals in from all the area schools in. And we're all going to take a different topic and talk about it for a you know, half hour or whatever. And I'm going to talk about the idea that language is not subject matter. So that these principals, when they walk down the hallway or they evaluate teachers, are going to are going to try to look at evaluation in a different way for teachers. Not saying how are they performing on tests out of the students, or um, you know why is your class so noisy? Well, if you're teaching an acquisition and communication or in class, your class better be noisy. Um, so all these different kinds of ways that principals can look at teachers and how teachers behave and perform. Um, I think this, it's important for us to start talking to administrators about language is not subject matter. So, um, well, I, I, I've been rambling, so. I don't know. Well, can I just f maybe ask a follow-up on Sarah Elizabeth's question? So I think what she's getting at— Are you at, asking her or asking me? Well, both, I guess. Uh -oh. I, let me just see uh -huh. if I can clarify Sarah Elizabeth, he asks Elizabeth. really hard questions, so be so, careful. No, no, no. Uh, if I'm that, If I'm that teacher, I think this is what you're getting at, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken. If I'm that teacher, what do I do in that situation if my district is requiring me to give my students this test? How do I teach them? <laughs> I, I mean, do I do I— do I say, okay, well, I guess I have to fall into the category of language for knowledge or yep. for the purpose of knowledge because that's a test that I have to give my students? Or do I try to mm, try to work with, with, with that to a certain degree and try to incorporate some of this SLA? I don't think you can. Because you, here's the problem you're always going to have. If you, if you do that, that's a, that's a really good point, Walter. And that, that's one of the things we talked about uh, in the episode when we talked about input. Like a lot of people want to hear about the role of input and acquisition, then try to treat input as a technique for teaching the same old thing. Oh, and I'm going to teach the preterite and the imperfect with right. input. Or I'm going to teach object pronouns with input. And that's not what we're talking about when we talk about the role of input. And so teachers who try to find that ground in between are never going to prepare the students appropriately for these take-home, these, these paper and pencil tests necessarily. Um, and they're going to fall short of, of truly developing proficiency and communicative skills the way they'd like to. They'll develop some, of course, but not to the extent that they possibly could if they abandon that extreme focus on grammar. So they're always going to fall in this middle area and be short on either side. So I think the, the, the answer for me is always, if you're stuck and you've got to do X, then do X. If that's what people are asking, you've got to do X. In the meantime, you have to work toward changing those people's minds so that you can start saying, let's look at some alternative curriculum. Let's look at curricula elsewhere. Because there are, and the great thing about, the, the thing about education that's bad, and that's true at both K through 12 as well as university, is how isolating the experience is. This is why I like teachers to go to conferences and teachers to network and teachers like Sarah Elizabeth calling on the phone here, um, is to network and, and connect with other people to find out what's going on elsewhere. Where are some models that I can, I can take to, to, to my principal and show him or her, look what's going on at so-and-so school over in, I don't know, in where, in Frankfurt. 
there to name a, your capital in Kentucky. Aren't you proud I know that, that, that capital there, Sarah Elizabeth? <laughs> yeah, it's very good. She's jumping for joy, I'm I know, sure. I tell you. A lot of people, did you know that was a capital of Kentucky? <laughs> of course. I, you say I that now, yeah. Walter, because yeah. I say that's why. <laughs> anyway, so, yeah. How do you, how do you pronounce it? What? Frankfurt or it's Frankfort? Frankfort, yeah. Yeah, Frankfurt. Frankfort. <laughs> oh, gee. See what I put up with, Sarah Elizabeth. Come save me. Okay, anyway. And I also wanted to thank you for addressing my, my little rant last week. I missed the episode, but you addressed my, my rant on Mixler about whether um, first language acquisition and second language acquisition are the same. Oh, okay. Oh, that was you. And okay, yeah. It was, uh-huh. and I appreciated you actually addressing it on the radio program and doing it so clearly because my, my issue wasn't really, like, I, all the ways that you said that the process is the same, uh-huh. I totally agree with you. Right. Um, it, it is the same. Both right, right? And the, and the, fact, <laughs> the fact that outcomes are different and some of the external things are different doesn't make the underlying processes or knowledge you get different, and that's the exactly. confusion people have. It's just that so. I work with so many teachers who um, are – they, it's just when we make that quick statement or when they hear a quick statement that, oh, the way it happens the second time around is the same as the way it happens the first time around. And without having listened to your episode on the, the oh, internal right, and right. external constraints that um, on language acquisition, then they think, oh, but I, I can go about it the same way and I can expect the same outcome every time. Right. And then they get super frustrated about it. Yeah, and no. It's because you, of all those other constraints. Yeah, so not, I wanted to say thank you. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you for, and thank you for that, for the comment. That was good to have that. So, okay, I got to let you go, Sarah Elizabeth. Right. We've got some other thank people you. calling in and uh, have a great day. Have fun there in Kentucky. All right. Thanks for calling. Bye. I, forget, I didn't recognize, I didn't, uh, you know, I saw the name and I didn't make the connection to her on Mixler when she made that comment about the differences between L1 and L2 stuff. So I'm glad we had a little chat. Yeah. So do we have anything coming in on Mixler or an email? I've got some comments here about some other stuff if you guys don't. What do you guys have? Well, we have lots of questions that have been piling up over, over the ages here since we started. So I could start asking some of those if you'd like. Well, let's see. Well, I've got some here. Um, well, go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. Are we ready? Because I've got a couple here that are on topic, if you want a little, little bit of focus on forum before we move on to sure, something different. Sure, go ahead. Because Luca posted, this was interesting, Luca posted on site um, the question, do learners need help with formal features of language or not? Right? And so um, he only had 44 people uh, vote in, but it's probably fairly representative. So the question again is, do learners need help with formal features of language or not? And I know that's a... A little bit of a vague question, but it's still interesting. Um, 52% yes, they do need help with formal features of language. 70, uh, 72%, 27% said no, and 21% said they're not sure. I like that 21%. That's, that's good to have a little skepticism there. Um, and some people were saying different things. They, they answered one way, but they wanted to be able to qualify. So they say yes, but then maybe... Um, um, not all learners, or maybe only with some things. And some people said, no, not most of the time, but maybe once in a while. I, so people wanted to qualify uh, the yes uh-huh. or no. Um, so I, I thought that shows some thinking on everybody's parts uh, part. But, I mean, the research is actually, again, it depends on who you talk to, but the research, in my opinion, is not convincing that focus on form is, is entirely beneficial. It's certainly not necessary. That we know. So when you read the question, do learners need help with formal features of language? The answer is no, they don't need it. If it's beneficial, I could see you saying yes. But need, it casts it differently. Um, so um, anyway, so that's what I have from, from my stuff. What do you guys have? 
We got some more people calling in. Mm-hmm. Um, well, do you want to do that first? Oh yeah, sure. Let's see. We okay. got. Oh, we got somebody on the phone again. Uh, this is AJ. AJ, are you on the line? I am. Hey, AJ. Is that really your name, or is AJ short for something? Uh, it's short for Albert. Albert and J for John. Albert John. Uh, Joseph. I, that was my next guess. <laughs> Albert Joseph. You sound like you know royalty or something, like uh, Prince Albert or something. Like, like great it. name. All right. I and think so. Where are you calling from, Albert? AJ Joseph. <laughs> Orlando, Florida. Orlando, can you do me a favor? Yes. Can you run over to the Harry Potter world and get me a wand, please? <laughs> I have not been. I want a Harry Potter wand so bad. It's not funny. I actually haven't been either, but when I'm there, I will get to one for you and one for me. Okay. I mean, you're like, you're right down the road. I'm like, you know, I'm like 500 miles away. You're right there. 500? Yeah. It's got to be more than that, isn't it? I don't it? know. I'm from California. What do I know the distance from Michigan? I think to it's a little more. Okay, whatever. <laughs> Okay, AJ, so you're calling from Orlando, Florida. What's, what are you calling about? What's up? Uh, well, I have a comment more than a question. Um, we like comments. Yes. Oh, good. I'm glad. I like comments. <laughs> Haley's, Haley's comment comes once. Oh, no, that's a comment. <laughs> I'm sorry. I tell you, I need those mood <laughs> elevators fixed. I tell you. I tell you. Okay, AJ, go ahead. You have a comment. Go ahead. Um, We're shaking our so heads here. So I began using TPRS in my classroom last year, um, and my curriculum totally shifted. I had been using the textbook doing, you know, grammar for grammar's sake the whole time, and the kids were kind of comfortable with it, but, you know, my star students even were like, I don't understand what's happening and getting low grades and stuff. And then I switched over and kind of cut grammar out almost completely. And uh, my comment is about how I explained it to the students and also to the parents and administrators. Mm -hmm because, and I hope maybe this can help some people um, out there, because I teach right above, like I'm right on top of the English teacher. My classroom is, on, is above hers. And so the way I explained it to the kids was, listen, I'm not teaching you what she's teaching you. I'm teaching you how to speak language, how to interact and communicate, um, rather than teaching you about how the language Works. So we're going to shift away from that and more into just listening and skills for listening and understanding what's going on. And it seems to have been pretty well, have gone pretty well. My students are, uh, sometimes they say things like, oh, I wish we were learning stuff more. <laughs> or some say, someone actually told me, Mr. Fernandez, I'm, or sorry, Mr. Senor, I'm really glad that we don't learn anything in class anymore. Of course, she said this while she was <laughs> drawing. She said this while she was drawing a little comic where all the characters were speaking Spanish to each other. Yeah. So it's like this is kind of a proud moment for me. Um, so I just feel like that helped get their mind out of grammar and into how it's a whole different thing that we're doing in language class and Spanish class, which is kind of what you have been saying the last couple of weeks. How it's not. A subject matter. Mm-hmm. Right, right, exactly. Now, now in your TPRS classes, do you do any focus on form, like incidentally or on the cuff, or do you like do recasts, or do you, do you at any time at all do you draw learners' attention to something during the act of an activity um, communication? Not really. Every once in a while, I'll do a recast. Every once in a while, mm-hmm. like if we're doing something they haven't seen before with the same verb. So, for example, if I use a verb in the preterite most of the time, and I happen to use it in the imperfect one time, I say, oh, well, that means the same thing. Basically, it's just a different way of saying had, you know. But, I mean, I don't explain it any more than that, and they seem to just kind of follow along and make the meaning in their minds. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, you know, that's what we would expect, right? So, 
Yeah. Well, good for so you. I just wanted to share that to well, say we're not teaching English, and I told the kids that, and I'm not teaching what you're learning downstairs. <laughs> that's right, and and and, that, and that's tough for people. And I think, and you probably have also changed all your assessment procedures and the way you do grades and things like that. Oh yeah, the kids are all very excited because I don't give you know tests anymore, quote unquote. Yep. They yep. love that. Yep. No test. Woo! <laughs> there you go. See, so you're 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 an example of a program um, that switched over recently. It probably sounds like it's a program in progress, but it's a program that's having results. So yeah. you need to get out there and spread the word, AJ. You need to do some conference. Are you doing any local conferences in Florida so you can show people what you're doing? Uh, well, I spoke at the Skolt conference this past February. Good for you. And uh, the new one, the next one's coming up in next February here in Orlando. So I'm definitely planning on speaking there and just have to narrow down what I want to talk about. Next February? Um, or March. It's sometime soon. Or, you know, in the next early part of next year. You know, I know a, a really well-known L2 person who would love to be a guest speaker at that conference. <laughs> and and maybe oh, really? maybe he and you could go to uh, Harry Potter World and get, get wands together. Yeah, magic wands. <laughs> so if you have any influence... <laughs> No, seriously, I'm just, I'm, 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 I'm kidding. I'm not, you know, but. He's not kidding. I'm not kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but in February, I would love to go to Orlando in February next year. So just let me know. If you have any pull on that, AJ, go ahead. Give me, give me an invite. Give me an invite. I will. You come on down. I'm inviting you right now. All right. Are you going to be in Chattanooga this summer for the IFLT? Um, probably not. Oh, okay. Well, we'll, we'll, we'll have a drink for you anyway. AJ, I let me give you a little I'm encouragement. I, I, I was hearing you talk about how your students saying that they like that they don't learn anything. It was something that uh, we, we've experienced here as well, particularly in our, uh, our fourth semester course. And I had a meeting with, the, with those instructors at the beginning of the year. And I said, our goal for this semester is to help the students recognize that they are actually learning something. It's just <laughs> not the way that they are expecting to learn something. And so, um, so they've actually implemented some new procedures and things to try to help the students even just recognize uh, the fact that they are acquiring language throughout the course of the semester, even though they might not be learning the way that they think they should be learning. So just an encouragement to you. I think, uh, I think it's great. That it's funny that you're saying, we're not learning anything. I like it. But, but helping well, them to recognize that, yes, indeed, you are actually you're, you're inquiring something as opposed to simply learning information about it. So Yeah, well, I teach younger students. So I don't, uh, K through eight. So that was my, my fourth and fifth graders usually tell me stuff like that. Um, the older ones are just rolling their eyes the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we get a few. Uh, we get a few. I did actually too. one time have to tell them, like, listen, let's list out all the things we can say about people and about each other in Spanish. And just like made this huge long list. You know, we can say names and ages. And they were like, whoa, we could do all of that? Wow. Yeah, you know, that's one thing we could do that we don't do is if we videotaped our class the first day and then videotaped the last, or you know, like, not the last week, but like second to last week, and then spent a day in class showing them 10 seconds, or 10 seconds, 10 minutes of the first week and 10 minutes of the last week from the year, and people look how much more you're interacting, look how you're shouting things out, look how you're interacting. Oh, I guess I did learn something, huh? We could, you know, Whoa, those are, Nelly! Those are easy things to do. We should start doing more things like that. So, definitely. All right, AJ. Well, thanks for the call. I appreciate. Right, well, and I appreciate you. all your hard work. Keep up the fight. Again, um, spread the word and 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 work with those people down in Florida. All right, you got it. Okay, thanks. Yeah, all right, bye bye. Bye, AJ. I like that name, Albert Joseph. If I ever have a kid, Solid. well, I'm a little late to be having a kid. But if I ever had a kid, I'd name him Albert Joseph. I like that name. Mm -hmm. That's a good name. Yep, agreed. Yeah, I like people who have initials too. Don't we all? BBP. I mean, you know, just I mean. yeah. <laughs>
I mean, how many there? How many? I mean, I, I've in my entire life, I've known like three or four people who actually go by initials. Um, there was a DJ once in um, a graduate student, I remember, and who else? Um, oh, I can't remember who. There was one other person. I um, had an JJ in class. JJ. JJ. Oh, JJ. Yeah, I knew a JJ too. JJ. Anyway. So, um, okay, got anything um, before we take our next call or we do our quiz or whatever's coming up next? Luca's uh, moving some things around the board there. What do we got going on online? Do you have anything, Angelica? All right, I have a question here for you then. Okay. This is from email land, but like I said, this is from a list that we have. We have a nine-page list of questions that have been sent in <laughs> over the course uh, since October. So I don't remember when this one came in. I have a is... feeling. Don't forget, next week is our any, anything goes week. So yeah. save some of those for next week. Oh, we will. Okay. Definitely. We'll, we'll still have plenty left. We got a call pages. coming in soon. So go ahead and, okay, go ahead and give go. me one. Give, says, me the easy, give me the easy one, Walter. Okay. In Crashen's Principle and Practice in Second Language Acquisition, he refers to those Published are... in 1982, by the way, with Pergamon Press in New York. Go ahead. Okay. There you go. Those who are monitor under users or people who do not use conscious knowledge even when the conditions allow it. How do we help students become what Krashen refers to as optimum monitor users without correcting them? Or is that a natural process that we don't need to worry about at all as instructors? Okay, for those of you who don't know what a monitor is and what monitor users are, monitor is your conscious knowledge of grammar. And monitor use means being able to apply that explicit knowledge somehow either during communication or doing some kind of uh, process of making meaning. Okay, so you can either edit your output or um, think as you go, kind of. Um, and so monitor under users, uh, monitor over users. I don't know if, if Steve would still even talk about those things anymore. Um, my take is that monitor use cannot be instilled in people because there are a tremendous amount of individual differences in that. And that um, the only area I think that you could help people with explicit grammar, explicit knowledge that they could apply is in the development of composition and writing skills and writing things um, so that people can reflect as they're writing. And even then, for example, in the course I taught this semester, we didn't focus on grammar. We focused on paragraph structure, topic sentences, closing sentences, how do you support an argument, all those kinds of things. Um, because that's truly where, where you can think about things. Um, so that's more communication and discourse-oriented rather than, than grammar-oriented. Um, but it's really, really hard to, to train people to be monitor users. I mean, I, I just don't see how that can happen. It's a nat like The question was, is it developed naturally? The answer is yes, I think it does develop naturally. All right. So you don't think instructors need to worry about it then? In nope. Other words? I wouldn't. you got other things you can do. you got other things you can do um, to be pushing their language acquisition along, I think. Well, there you go, Charles. Now you have your answer. You've probably been waiting for it for several months, but there it is. <laughs> yeah, it's probably not even listening. Charles, you better be listening this weekend, at least, if you're not listening right now. Okay, we got Melanie calling on the line here. Melanie, hello. How are you? I'm well. How are you? I'm really, really good. Where are you calling from, Melanie? I'm calling from Rochester, New York. Yay! Nice. You know, that's Walter's neck of the woods. Almost, right, Walter? Oh, I did that's not right. know that. Yeah, I'm from that area. I grew up in Jamestown, but lived for many years in Cuba, New York, which is south of Rochester, so yes. in the southern tier. Um, sure. You probably have never heard of Cuba. It's very small, but that's okay. <laughs> no, I, I've, heard, I've heard of it. Yes, I have. Okay, but I come from go. my own small little village. So. I love that United States, we get these towns with these names. You know there's a Cuba in the middle of nowhere in Missouri, too? Oh, yeah? When you're on 44 <laughs> going to, yeah, when you're going across Missouri to get to Oklahoma or Texas, whatever, you've got to go through this town called Cuba. Well, there you go. Yeah, that's where I gas. I used to gas up when I used to drive that route. Anyway, Melanie, welcome to Tea with BBP. What are you calling about? Hey, 
Thanks. I'm calling because I wanted to share a resource that I actually just stumbled upon last night. You're not night. hawking a product um, here, are you? We don't do that. <laughs> Pardon? You're not hawking a product here, are you? <laughs> I am not. Okay. I am right. not at all. No, I um was um uh, I am like binge listening to your program recently, and in the meantime, you know, I'm looking for other resources. And um, though it was interesting because though when I was watching this last night, this is it's on it's learner.org, um, and they have a bunch of um, videos on demand that support just teaching foreign language. Okay. And um, that's what they call it, teaching learner.org. Okay. And. And um, on there, um, I was watching one of them, and they had um, uh, Patsy Lightbound on there. Mm-hmm. Did I say her name correctly, Patsy? Patty? Patsy Lightbound, correct. Yeah, so she, was, so she was on there, and I know you've referenced her. Um, well, so she was on there, and she was talking about content-based instruction also. And um, there was a video where they were showing content-based instruction, and it's all in the target language. And as they're doing it, they're bringing in grammar also. Certainly not explicit, just how it's delivering a meaning, though. Right. And as I'm watching it, and um, it's very easy for me to be on board, I support that, but they show examples in French, and as I'm watching the French, and I'm not a French speaker, you know, I'm, I'm thinking to myself, oh, I'm, I'm comprehending, you know, and I don't have, I don't have that, but you, but you hear it. And so I think they're really good examples for teachers to watch and to see that how teaching in the language um, you know, is, is, is helping with acquisition, right? It's helping, like, show that you can comprehend it without the explicit teaching. Um, and then how the attention to form does help you in your messages. So I thought it was a fantastic resource to share. Yeah, yeah. Learner.org is, uh, Angelica, that's owned by Annenberg, right? That's correct, yep. Yeah. Okay. That's where you find Destinos, too. Yep. Yep. Uh, <laughs> not go there. Okay. Um, yeah, and so Learner.org does have some resources. Um, I haven't seen that video with Patsy. Um, did you say Patsy's in a video talking? She is, yeah. yeah They're okay. interviewing. It's like a roundtable discussion, and so she'll... Um, I can't remember in that one. And then each episode, each um, video on demand has different... A different select group of panelists, I'll say, on there that they're talking with. But that particular one had her. Okay. Well, good. Good. I, th- I think. Uh, thank you for calling with that resource. That that's good because I think people do need to see models. They need to see things. They need to look at classrooms and I, and content based one is where you can really see input interaction at work along with an occasional focus on form, mm-hmm. where people bring form in as it's useful or necessary or just part of their interaction at that point in time that, you know, that helps move things along. So, um, so good. We'll, we'll, we'll remind everybody again, that's learner.org. Go take a look at that. You can find some resources there. So that's good. Well, thank you. Thank you, Melanie. Okay. Okay. We'll talk to you later. Okay. Thanks so much for calling. Bye-bye. I love Patsy Lightbound. That's a, that's a great resource. Patsy's a great person. I've known Patsy for a long time. She's retired now. I kind of miss her on the circuit. Um, we met, I'm trying to remember the first time we met, I think it was in Australia back in the eighties. Uh, we were both at a workshop there for a week. Workshop slash, it was like one of those working workshops where we're hanging, you know, hashing out issues or something like that. But anyway, so, uh, nothing else coming up on the email or the Twitter? Well, I have, I have something here from, and this is a a rather complex issue here from Uh Uh Kong Boshi. Okay. I'd like for BVP to address the role of explicit instruction in the acquisition of advanced forms, specifically as it relates to the propensity to accelerate their acquisition of a specific form. 
And then someone replied, um, I was under the assumption that, quote, the acceleration of acquisition was impossible due to the internal syllabus. But it would be great for Bill to address that. I'm not sure what to address there. It sounds like, um, I don't know the person's name again. So Kongboshi. Kongboshi. Um, it sounds like that person already has something uh, in mind um, as a conclusion um, that somehow the explicit teaching for advanced, and I don't even know what advanced forms are, or how was it phrased again, Angelica? Yeah, what's the role of explicit instruction in the acquisition of advanced forms? I don't know what advanced forms are. Um, there's all forms are equal in my mind. Um, so I, I don't know what you mean by that. Sorry, I'm not trying to be obtuse, but I really don't. Um, unless you're thinking about late acquired forms, maybe that, things that take a long time to acquire. I would, I would think that that's maybe probably that's what, okay. the implication yeah, yeah. there. Um, I don't, uh, things are late acquired because they're late acquired. So I, I don't know why exp- you would need explicit instruction for late acquired forms. I mean, look at children. They get things, children by the age of five don't have passives. And then they don't get, pa- I mean, most of them don't have passives down until they're six or seven, at least in English. And then there's Russian, you know, children in Russian don't have all their case endings down until they're almost in school, if not already in school. Yeah, so complex forms, it was just confirmed like oh, complex subjunct- forms. subjunctive. Yeah, subjunctive is not that complex. It just has a lot of uses. Um, and so um, so it, it's not clear to me that these things even need to be explicitly taught, um, except if they're at an advanced stage. And again, this has this comes to when you're working on some a skill like writing or you're working on something where you want some kind of accuracy in writing, you can focus on those things because maybe they can get those things in more frequently. There's not going to get them in their speaking. That's just not going to happen. It's not going to uh, explicit teaching is not going to get the subjunctive in your head any faster. Um, uh, you know, I mean, there's some people claim that that a focus on form or even grammar teaching itself, again, these are two different things, um, somehow accelerates acquisition. It's not clear to me that it does. Um, it's not. Um, and that's including, well, I won't say anything about my own work. <laughs> so I'll just let that one go. Okay. All right. We've got a uh, call coming in. Oh, we got Kristen on the line. Kristen, are you there? I am. Hey, Kristen, how you doing? Where are you calling from? I'm well. I'm from Bozeman. Bozeman. Bozeman, Montana. Yes, I've called before. Oh, because they put up on the screen MN. Uh, I don't think they know what that's. MN is Minnesota, isn't it? Yeah. And so is it Montana MT? I don't think there's any other Bozeman in the country. I know. (laughs) Bozeman, Montana, would it be MT, right? Yeah. See, aren't you? Pro- see, I, I'm three for three today with all my knowledge of. <laughs> did you know that, you know Angelica? I'm, I I'm did not curious. know that. You know our state capital. Say what's that? I was impressed that you knew um, Frankfurt. Do you know our capital? You mean Helena? Oh darn! You're good. Yeah, of course. Yeah, <laughs> I'll tell you, man. Don't try. To, we were gonna. I was. I told Lance on the phone the other day when we were talking about the um, the SLA quizzes. He says people are afraid to call. Like, well, maybe I should do a new feature in the fall when we after we come back from vacation. A new feature in the fall where it's instead of SLA quizzes, you try to call and stump me on something. <laughs> but ooh, I like that. But I it won't. It, it won't I'm, be. Doc- I'm willing to 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 do whatever. I um. I, I'm not afraid to call in. I just usually can't because I'm teaching. But yeah. today I'm sick with two sick kids, I should say. Oh, so. sorry about that. Yeah. Hoping they're That's not too okay. sick. So you're calling. I What right. they're telling me is that you want to take a quiz. I do. Kristen, you're going to take a, which quiz are you going to take? The SLA Challenge Quiz, which is really easy, or you're going to take the Barbra Streisand Diva Quiz? 
You know, I'm going to go with the Diva Quiz because it's been out there for a while, and um, she's from Brooklyn, and my grandmother is from Brooklyn, so I feel like there's some, you know. You it, should see his face right now. That, that mm-hmm. connection. He's Very so happy. excited that no, you're I'm excited the quiz, for the, I'm No, I'm excited for the story because I love that story about her grandparents. Or her, you said your grandfather? My grandmother's from Brooklyn. Grandmother from Brooklyn, I, yeah. Do you know the song um, by Paul Simon, The Diamonds on the Soles of Her Shoes? No, I don't know that song. She's got diamonds on the soles of her shoes. That's my grandmother. That's like Aww. totally my grandmother from Brooklyn. She's oh, my God. Diamonds on the soles <laughs> That's of her awesome. Shoes. I'll tell you, if I had diamonds on the soles of my shoes, I wouldn't be sitting in the studio right now, <laughs> let me tell you. <laughs> no, no, but she, yeah, I, she doesn't literally, obviously, but <laughs> it was, yeah. Okay. Anyway. All right, well, let's go ahead and get to the quiz because this is going to take a few minutes. We want to make sure that we leave time for somebody else to call in after you. So are you ready, Kristen? I'm ready. Let's do this. Okay, here we go. So all about Barbara. All right, number one. Okay. For which Oscar has Barbara Streisand been nominated but not won? A, Best Actress. B, Best Director. C, Best Song. D, Best Oscar Mayer Hot Dog. Um, you're saying what she has not mm-hmm. won? Been nominated, but not won. A, Best Actress, B, um, Best Director, C, Best Song, D, Best Oscar Mayer Hot Dog. I'm pretty sure it's C, because I don't even think that's a category on, uh, <laughs> yeah. Best Song? Yeah, it's a category. No, C, the Oscar Mayer. Oh, that's a joke. You can't pick D. You can't pick D. Well, that's <laughs> clearly the right one. If you're that, that's just there's just me being funny. It's either A, B, or C. Which one is it? You said not chosen or chosen. I'm getting all confused. She's been nominated but has not won. Oh, been nominated but not won. Never mind. I guess, see, I'm like my students. I get all confused. I tell you, man. I'm making my input okay. as comprehensible as I can here. <laughs> So I be- know you're a good job. You're doing a good job. I'm just nervous. Best actress, okay. best director, so, or best song. Okay, I'm gonna say. Whew, okay, I'm gonna say. She totally. Mm, okay, director. Correct. Yeah. Ding, 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 ding. Yes, oh, she's been nominated for yeah. director. She's won for best actress for her first movie, and she won best song Evergreen. Um, for a star's Okay. Okay. All right. Number, let's see. I'm going to ask you this question next because I think this is easier than the third question. Okay. okay. Barbara starred in three movie musicals back to back, all based on Broadway plays. What were they? Are you ready for this? So yep. w- which are the three movie musicals back to back, all based on Broadway plays? Were they A, Hello, Dolly, Star, and Sweet Charity, or were they B, Gypsy, Funny Girl, and My Fair Lady? Or was it C, Funny Girl, Hello Dolly, and On a Clear Day You Can See Forever? Or was it D, Hello Dolly, Fiddle on the Roof, and Get Your Hands Off My Bagel, You Big Locks? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Okay. I'll give you a hint. It's not I D. Am doing. It's not. It's not <laughs> D. That's the fun one. Okay. It's hard. So hello, hello, okay, Dolly. Yeah, yeah. Hello, All Dolly. Right, I'm gonna sweet. say I'm. Oh gosh, I'm gonna go. Yeah. Can you repeat them one more time? Sure. A is hello, Dolly. Star and sweet charity. Okay. B. Okay. Gypsy, funny girl, and my fair lady, or C. Funny girl, hello, Dolly, and on a clear day you can see forever. C. 
Ding, 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 ding. Nice. Oh, you are good. Yeah. You just won yourself a set of coasters. Okay, now you're going for the oh, big enchilada. Good. Now you're going for the tote bag with your coasters. Ready? All right. I'm oh, ready for it. Okay. Let's go through this one fast because I've got somebody who wants to talk to me, I think. I'm getting the signal here. Uh, Barbara okay. burst onto the scene in the early 1960s with her debut album, The Barbara Streisand Album. Which of the following is true about her musical career? A. She's the only female in the top 10 recording artist recognized by the Recording Industry Association of America. B. She has won more Grammys than any other female artist. C. She's the only female pop artist not to have recorded a disco or dance hit. D. She is not really female. Her real name is Boris Schlinsky and she lives in Flatbush. <laughs> Wow. Okay. Well, obviously not D again. So um, <laughs> I'm going to go with, ooh. I'm, I'm going to go with, I was going to say C, but, but maybe she did do a disco hit. Okay. So maybe we're going to do, we're going with B. C, she's the only major female pop art artist not to have recorded a disco or dance hit. No, B, I think. She has won more Grammys than any other female artist? I believe so. D. B? Oh, gosh. Do you yeah, want to rethink that one? Do you want to rethink that one? Um, A, then A, yeah. Shh, <laughs> correct. <laughs> ding, 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 ding. She is the only female in the C. top. She's the oh, only man, female. I and then somebody on Mixler threw me off. Okay, oh, yeah. so I'm going to see. She is the only guy. female in the top 10 recording artists recognized by the recording industry. So same, the only female. So you go, Barbara. She did record a disco dance hit with Donna Summer. It was, it was on the chart oh, for 15 good. weeks. It was on the chart for 15 okay. weeks in the late 70s. Was enough is Enough and No More Tears, that song. It's a great song. Anyway, so, yes. And she actually had another disco hit, too, from the main event when she sang the title song for that movie. But that's another story. Well, good for you. Um, you're going to get your tote <laughs> and your set of coasters, and we're going to come and visit you in MT, not MN, one of these days. How's that, Kristen? That would be awesome. Okay. Well, thank you for calling in, and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks for playing. Thank you. Take care. Bye-bye. All right, bye-bye. Bye. Bye. That was fun. See, that wasn't that hard. See, people, don't be afraid. I'll help you out. All right. Um, <laughs> that was, it was a longer quiz, though. I did have to, because there the was... The questions were so long, Bill. I know. Yeah. In order to remember them, too. I'd be like, by the time you read the first one, I'm like, I oh, wait, know. what was the well, second you know, one? I was I thinking, what was the first it. one? I couldn't help it. It was, you know, Barbara has, to, she deserves her, her due. That's why that, you know, and uh, Make sure she got her the stuff out there. But a lot of people don't know that she recorded that disco hit with Donna. So that was a huge hit. I will confess, I remember dancing to that song in the discos in my day. Um, when that I song was, everybody would go crazy. Enough is enough is enough. Doesn't it? Am I the only one that knows that song with Donna Summer? Oh, it was so good. I guess good. so. Fifth, like 14 or 15. It was, it was a bigger hit than Bruno Mars. What's <laughs> his name? What was that song he did with Mark Ronson? Um, it was just out this last yeah, year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Got know. a Grammy for it, too. Uh, my kids love it. I can't think of the name of it, though. I'm hot. Going to make a dragon want to retire, man. Too hot. That one. Whatever that song is. Oh, I don't know that one. That's not the one I was thinking of. <laughs> no, no, no. Anyway, so, yeah. So, um, a big, big hit. Yes. Okay. Yeah, hey, I have a quick question here. Ready? So Ask a quick I. question. I think our call got dropped, so we're waiting on that call to get come back on. What, what, Walter, what do you have? Okay, it says, you've stated that explicit learning is different than acquisition and that... 
things we learn are not what is actually in the heads of our students. I'm interested in informing other colleagues of SLA research. So how do we or should we approach other educators about changing their methods to more research-based techniques without being bullies? Oh, that's a good question. So let me hold this is down. from Russ. Tell, tell Russ to hang on a sec. Russ, hang on to your, your, your bloomers because we got Josh from Maryland on the phone, and I don't want him to get, get cut off because we're running out of time here soon. So, Russ, we're going to get back to you if we can in a minute. So, Josh, are you on the line? Yeah. Hey, Josh, where are you calling from? Hey, uh, Baltimore. Baltimore. I love Baltimore. Does Josh me, love Baltimore? Are you going to ask me why, Josh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, no, why? Yeah, well, I mean, there's, it's, it's, you, you have to, but, but okay, why? Because you're there water. and you're calling tea with BVP, and we love callers from Baltimore. That's why. There you go. All right, so what are you uh, calling about? Well, um, you know, I, I, I received uh, some info from my, uh, my, my supervisor the other day uh, in an email, uh, basically summarizing a couple things that were talked about at the NECTOL conference. Mm hmm. For those of you who don't know, um, and, uh, Nectil is and the one of it is uh, hang, hang, talking hang about how a big idea that they're coming out now. Um, uh, I think a couple organizations, um, uh, actual particularly, did uh, release um, a document explaining what their idea about this is, with uh, what they're calling core practices. And I think that you talked about this in a recent episode as well. How you know, really, what you want is just your, your core principles. I think um, you refer to it as right. And so um, I was looking at them, and, and it seems like a lot of them seem to make sense. Uh, in line with um, our discussions here. Um, but uh, number three on the list, uh, I've been kind of confused about it. It says, teach grammar as concept and use in context. Um, and then under that says, teach grammar as concept and use in context. Students focus on meaning before form, um, which partly makes sense. But, but I'm, what I'm confused about is their use of the word concept. And I'm trying to wrap my head around what they mean by teach grammar as concept. Um, and so I was wondering what your thoughts were there, because I, 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 it seems a little vague to me. Yeah, yeah, Josh, it's, it's, you must be clairvoyant, um, because I was actually reading over those earlier today, um, because I'm hoping to put together something um, for ACTFL on researching what are called best and core practices. And I don't understand that one. <laughs> so you're asking the wrong person. I don't understand what that means to teach something as a concept um, and I mean, I, first of all, I disagree with that as a core practice teaching grammar to begin with. I don't think that should be a core practice. So I disagree with whoever. Right. I, I was that. first surprised that it was on the list. And then I was second confused by the, the use of the word concept as well. So. Right, right. And, and I, and, and I think that there's a lot, when I read away those practices, I think there's still a lot of, it, it's like what we we're talking about with Walter earlier. There's that, that gray area where people are trying to cross, you know, please two sides of the same fence or what I don't know what the word the metaphor is. Y you want to have your cake and eat it too, and you can't. Um, and so I think that, that that particular practice, that particular core practice, to be reexamined. So um, I have my uh, grant meeting with people next week on the phone again, with all those people I was talking about earlier from Atlanta, uh, with Pete Swanson and that group, and I will ask them what they think or what that particular core practice means. Um, because I would like to know mm -hmm. that. that, that that's, a, that's, that's a good question. I'm sorry I can't answer it for you. See, well, no, there, see Angelica, that, there's something I didn't know. He's the first winner of the Stump BVP contest. Yeah, well. <laughs> okay, we got to get Josh. Yeah, <laughs> hey, Josh, are you going to take the SLA quiz? I, I guess I, I, I will, sure. I might need some, some assistance from the mixerites. Okay, well, we're going to go through this really fast because we're going to run out of time on you if we don't do it fast. Unfortunately, two of the questions are true-false. So you ready? Okay, sure. Okay, so number one. 
Focus on form is another term for explicit grammar instruction. True or false? Hmm. Uh, I seem to remember earlier in the episode you said uh, focus on form does not mean grammar instruction per se, so I'm going to go with um, true. You mean false? Uh, uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you had it right. You just, you, you thought, yeah, so it is right, false. Ding, 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 yeah. it's false. Focus on form is not another term for explicit grammar instruction. It's not. Okay, um, two, this is multiple choice. Focus on form can take, uh, we haven't really talked about this. Well, we sort of did, but let's see if you can get this one anyway. Focus on form can take place during A, input-oriented activities, B, output-oriented activities, C, tasks, D, all of the above. Uh, I'm going to go with uh, uh, A. Input-oriented activities? Input activities? Yeah. Is that what you're saying? Uh, well, actually, if a task is defined as it was uh, last time, uh, and, you know, it, it would be all the above. You're so smart, Josh. Ding, 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 ding. <laughs> yes, there you go. Exactly. Because all those things are meaning-based and, and communicative events, whether they're input, output, task, whatever they're all. And so focus on form takes place during any kind of communicative event. So good for you. Okay, here's your last question, true, false. When it comes to focus on form, Scholars are in agreement about its usefulness. True or false? No, no, false. False. Yes, I said that several times already. We're not in agreement. Some of us, some of us think it's useful and it's beneficial, and some people think it's not so universal. And there's just a lot of stuff out there. It's it's a messy, messy field. Um, focus on form research. So good for you, Josh. All right. All right. Coasters and tote bag on their way to Josh. All right, you got that okay. down, Dustin? Okay, good. Well, Josh, we got to hang up because we got to wrap up and, uh, and say goodbye to our lovely audience today. So talk to you later, Josh. Bye, Josh. Bye, Josh. Right. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, all right. I request 30 seconds. A Make lot it. of people on Mixler were asking, you need to provide an example of input-oriented, meaning-based focus on form. What does that? What is that? Give an example. Input-oriented, meaning-based focus on form. A recast. Because the learner's not producing anything in a recast. So if Angelica or Walter says, oh, so I talked to my mom last night. I go, yeah, you talked to your mom and? And then Walter continues. So I just recasted, but it's input to him. because So that's an input-oriented thing in a certain sense. Another input-oriented uh, focus on form was what I talked about earlier, text enhancement, where you give people a sample text, you highlight a particular form in it. So while they're reading for meaning and working through the meaning and you're asking questions about this and that in the text, the meaning... The um, the forms are highlighted in the text. So that's another example. These people weren't listening at the beginning awesome. of the show. Thank clearly. you. Oh, there you go. Okay. <laughs> Some people come in late. Okay. Well, let's do our acknowledgments or we're going to get cut off here. Oh, my God. Look at the time. Okay. Um, we want to say goodbye to everybody and thank our lovely technical producer, Daniel Trago, our media producer, Luca Giappone, who's back there, our talented and trusted call handler, Dustin DeFelice, our most excellent intern, Emma Dunn, who's leaving us. Emma's not there so today, sad. but she's graduating, so, so we're going to miss Emma. Our wonderful, wonderful assistant production manager, Jeff Maloney. The Center for Language Teaching Advancement, a.k.a. CELTA. The College of Arts and Letters at Michigan State University. And as always, I remind you that the ideas and opinions expressed in this program do not reflect those of the Center for Language Teaching Advancement, the College of Arts and Letters, any of our sponsors, or any other official entity of Michigan State University. And of course, we thank all of you out there listening and calling in. Next week is the first Tuesday of the month, so you know what that means. It's an anything goes calling. There's no theme, no principle, and it's also Cinco de Mayo. So tune in and listen as I teach Walter how to make a margarita from scratch. 
Until then, have a it's great It's on Thursday, weekend. by the way, not Tuesday, as he said. Uh, Thursday, whatever. <laughs> I tell you, I need new mood elevators. Until then, have a great weekend. Have a great next week. And happy second language acquisition to everybody out there. Bye-bye. See you later. Cheers. Bye, everybody. Stop.